This is James in London. I'm Nathan in Colorado. And I'm Rochelle in North Carolina. And we are Friends in Formation, a podcast where three very different friends take your questions about life and faith with the goal of listening, learning, and helping one another go deeper with God. So from my understanding, it's pretty universally accepted among theologians that the central message of Jesus's ministry was the availability of the kingdom. And this is one of these topics that I think a lot of people feel like they're supposed to know. And occasionally through the years, I get this sense where people don't necessarily have a good grasp of what exactly does the availability of God's kingdom mean. And so I'm curious as to what you guys think. You're so right about that, Nathan. People use the term a lot, or at least what I hear is that people bandy that term about, oh, he's doing kingdom work, and they may have no idea what what they are talking about, but they feel like they ought to. Yep. And we can also put a tag on things and say, this is for the kingdom, mm-hmm. and then that justifies practices that aren't kingdom. There's so many things you can claim to do under the tag of, well, it's for the kingdom. You know, we're trying to grow the kingdom. Right, but as yeah. you know, if you if you corrupt the way you do things, you corrupt the ends for what you're, you're aiming for. So, Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like in Star Wars. Is this for the empire or the rebellion, right? right. <laughs> Which one is the kingdom? <laughs> and how can you tell? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think Jesus meant with that? Well, the answer that we're often taught in Pranavare is the availability of God. So, I mean, how much do we want to jump into this in in these terms? But the simple one is where what God wants done is done. So it's what he wants to happen is happening. Now, that seems a very basic idea, but I find that helpful. What would he want to happen here? And if what he wants to happen here um, happens here, then you might say that's the kingdom of God. It's the range of his will. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and that is that reality. The fact that God reigns is something into which we can place ourselves. But we don't have to, right? We can deny that God is on the throne. We can deny that God reigns. We can be completely non-cooperative with God's will. We being humans, the rest of creation can't. I think, you know, I mean, the the fact that the trees lose their leaves in the autumn and are dormant in the winter and come into bud again in the spring, that, that maybe is one expression of what God has willed for nature. And they go along obeying what, what God has willed. But we, those of us who bear his image, can say, mm, no. No, thanks. I I, I don't want God's kingdom to be something with which I cooperate. Or I I thank you very much, but I'm more concerned about my effective will. (laughs) My kingdom. We can be resistant. (laughs) Exactly. 
Exactly. I find a really helpful picture that I can participate, that I get to join in on using my, uh, I don't know, my resources, my kingdom, things that I can control or influence Mm -hmm. and to seek to line that up with what God wants done. Now, it it then naturally goes to the question of what, what does God want done and how do I, you know, know what that is? Right. I mean, I think I love the um, little image that Dallas used to have, Dallas Willard had, where he would step towards someone in the audience and say, if I was to pick up your purse or to put my hand in your pocket and rifle through change, any small change, what would you do? What would be the reaction? And of course, the reaction is, take your hand out of my pocket, take your hand out of my purse, because that's mine. That's my kingdom. That's what I have say over, control over, authority over. I love that sort of practical image of, so what are you going to do with the change in your pocket or wherever? Um, We can use it for my kingdom or for his kingdom. Are we going to say, Lord, what would you like to happen with this? And we say, well, what do I want to happen with it? And when I think about my life in terms like that, I realize how much (laughs) I'm doing it the way I want it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been trying to learn the practice of saying, what do you think to him as I walk through my day? What do you think is a question I've been trying to to build into what what I'm up to? So what we're talking about here is something that already exists, right? The kingdom of God exists, has existed for all eternity, And it is something that's available to us as a present reality. And yet, we have some say-so about how we ourselves are involved in it. Would that be a fair summation? Because I'm thinking about the Lord's Prayer. And when we pray, Thy kingdom come, I've, I've so many times heard people say, Oh, the kingdom of God is coming later. That'll be when, you know, when we all get to heaven or when everything is made right on the earth, then God's kingdom will have come. But what we're talking about is a, a present reality. And yet there's also an element of future, right? Right. I think that's right. I mean, it would be great. I don't know whether we're able to add Dallas Willard's version of the Lord's Prayer into the show notes afterwards, but um, he opens it with, Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule Rule be completed completed within us. And I think that as a practical daily prayer may may your rule be completed in us that means the rule over me i mean my stuff you know things i'm you know, struggling with rule in me oh lord that would be kingdom and that goes very well with the next line of the prayer um may what you want done be done here on earth in just the same way it is done in heaven mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. 
And it, so in a maybe simplistic way, it's about giving my will, aligning my will with God's will. But this isn't a, a, a drudgery or a, a kind of chastising myself. I can't have my will, so let me give it. There, there's a joy in this and a freedom in submitting my will and, and in that question, what do you think? And working with that answer, right? I mean, this isn't about suffering, well, no. I mean, it depends on what your image of God is, of course. If That's he's it. out to get you, to catch you out, to trip you up. If God is just one never-blinking, unending you know, stare at us, and he's leaning towards us and glowering at us, then who would want to invest the kingdom they have stay over into that. I mean, in Britain, we have these old fairy tales and stories, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk with the phrase, you know, fee fi fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. <laughs> be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind, grind his bones his to make bread. my bread. Now, oh, yeah. that, that is not an uncommon view of God, of course, it's playing on old style images of God. It's the fear of God. You remember that expression, he put the fear of God into me. So if that's the image we've got, then the kingdom's pretty desperate. But if it's a gracious, loving, accepting, wooing God, and there's real joy there, then the best deal in town is to invest my kingdom into that one. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, James. If we don't get our ideas about God sorted out a bit, we can end up with the idea of investing our own time and effort and interest in a kingdom that is just absolutely a tyrannical, horrible, yeah. you know, the, the worst idea. But God, who reigns, if God has this kingdom that has eternally existed, the God who reigns, if if God is so, so good, mm. eternally good, only good, always good, and if God is love, as the scriptures very clearly say God is, well, then that kingdom is something I'm much more interested in. That's right. And then the idea of taking the range of my will <laughs> and placing it under the authority of that ruler, it becomes a relief. Hallelujah. I don't have to be the king. That position's already filled by a being who is so completely good and so completely full of love that God is love. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is the ruler I want on the throne. It's, Don't have to worry about it. It's a little it. like, um, you know, we're going out to dinner. Which restaurant do you want? No, I don't know. Which restaurant do you want? I just want <laughs> right. what you want. And it frees me from <laughs> having to, you know, have my own way. to. But as you guys are, are highlighting, um, that image, our, our view of God is absolutely critical 
And there's a level of trust that can trust that God is good. I can trust that loving my enemies or forgiving my enemies, loving my neighbor, that this actually does lead to abundant life. This is who I was created to be. Um, this is good. And, and so there's a level of trust in that, of letting go of you know, our own ideas for how we should navigate life. That's on a good day. That's on a good day for me, you know, because the old voices are coming at me saying, that's a bad idea to let go of control, James. You know, the person who's best capable of fixing your world, James, is you. That's what they come at me with. So I have to have a rhythm to remind myself to let go, to ask what do you do think? And it's a habit and it's training and it's experience as I go, oh yeah, he did help me there. He did sort that out and it builds. It doesn't just come as an instant. I, I find I have to work at it. I have to keep at it if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. But I do like the present reality of this. I mean, this is not an uncontroversial issue we're talking about here, you know, that the, the kingdom is yet to come. And in, of course, in some ways, it is still to come. But I don't want to export the kingdom to a future, as I don't want to export it to some revival that happens in, you know, Africa or Korea, that something amazing happens, and it's, it's over there, but it's not here. Or indeed, relegate it to the past you know there was an era when the kingdom was more obviously around and we need to get back to a previous era i think i think all three temptations to you know put it to one side from being now right here now and that's again a challenge how do we bring the kingdom in right now rather than being the past or the future, or another part of the world. What I find, James, is a lot of grace in in these challenging kingdoms, right? Of when I'm kind of moving into my own and trying to move out. And this is where the disciplines are quite helpful, right? Helping to place me in a position to be available, to be open, to be in relationship. And then I think, ultimately, we, we then can move into that idea of uh, the point is, is not to get us into heaven as much as it is to get heaven into us so that when, when we move into the fullness of the right. kingdom, we actually want to be there. There's a sort of, you know, yes, now we're in a space where God's, what God wants is just fully saturating, you know, everything. Yeah. So we are, we're talking about a present reality and we're talking about how we each individually and all together are going to interact with this present reality. But we are also talking about a future hope for, I, I like that phrase, Nathan, the fullness of the kingdom. That's what we're looking forward to. But we don't want to deny that something is going on right now. And it is a it's a bedrock reality that we can that we can trust because God is good and this is his work. And if if we choose to, we can cooperate with it now and become more and more ready for the fullness of the kingdom.
It's a beautiful picture. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture. Thank you so much for putting it like that. I'm going to segue us over to a different topic because as we're exploring in these early episodes of Friends in Formation, we're trying to pick up questions and concerns that we hear, the three of us um, here. And um, the one I hear quite often is this. I keep praying, but I don't seem to be getting answers. What am I failing to do? What have I missed here? Have you got any advice? I do hear that from people who will quietly say, if I'm honest, I've been praying and I'm not getting the answers. What could we say to somebody in that experience? Well, I have a question, James. Are you saying that what you've heard are people saying, I'm not getting answers or I'm not getting results or both? Frankly, I hear a lot of people say, I keep praying, but they're just looking for a particular result. I keep praying for a better job, and I'm still stuck in this old one, or whatever. They're they're looking for God to do something, maybe for them. But you use the word answers, and that's a little bit different, isn't it? Or is it? I think that's a really good point, because it it often comes down to uh, the results or answers that I want, right? As opposed to mm-hmm. when we're maybe not getting results uh, in the way that we desire, that to kind of pause and go, there, there may be an answer in here somewhere. And and I do get this sneaking suspicion that uh, the kingdom fits in here as well. My knee-jerk reaction to to the question, James, is that maybe we're looking about it in the wrong way, and viewing prayer as simply transactional is severely limiting. I mean, there is that, right? Make your request known, and this is good to, you know, it's really good to ask. Jesus seemed to encourage us to ask. I like to frame prayer in a, you know, larger context of relationship and conversation and interaction. Um, so, I don't know. That, that was my kind of knee-jerk to it, that maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. I'm sympathetic to the people that ask it. I love the honesty there. And I think you're right. We're looking for outcomes. We're looking for my answer. But if you're in a relationship that's not easy, if you're in a job that's not easy, if you're in a health condition that's not easy, income issues, children issues, parents issues, these are very tough things. And of course, it's very hard to give a blanket answer. But I think you're right. There's something about what is the Lord's call upon my life in this context? I think there's something quite deep about not having a a false image of what happiness is going to be and where it's going to come from. The, The invitation is to go deeper into God and to find his call upon our life. I mean, this old-fashioned word of vocation. What is my vocation in this difficult circumstance? I mean, I've had it myself with my own speech. You know, I've prayed, 
And the response, it's taken a while to get it, has been, this is your calling, James. I'm calling you within this. I have something for you and I have something for you know others within it. So pursuing that, working that out, what's my vocation in the situation I'm in? And, and of course, it's a, a daily walk, but it's intimacy with Jesus, I guess. Yeah, I like that word you used, Nathan. You said conversation, but I find that very often when I'm talking with people about prayer, and what am I saying? Very often when I'm talking to myself about prayer, I'm thinking less in terms of conversation and more in terms of my telling God what I want, thank you very much, or begging God for what I need. But it's so easy for me not to allow much room for mm-hmm. conversation. You know, just just allowing time to listen to God takes a lot more of an investment in a relationship than just sort of reciting what I want from God. Boy, and, and you see the fruit of that, James, in your story, which thanks for sharing that. I, I like that. You 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 cried mm-hmm. out in, in in a sense, but then you got an answer. Maybe not the answer you want, but uh, a really helpful answer that you can just Correct. lean into and 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 carry. So it it goes to a couple things. One of just simply giving space for an answer, and you know waiting and 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 living in the kind of silence or the mystery of when that doesn't come in the way that I want it to. I I often find myself praying if you would just show me what to do I'd do it. <laughs> and and just this wait it would just mm-hmm. come on like I don't know what to do here and but I do get this sneaking right. suspicion that that's just the way it should be. It, it, maybe that's not the way to say it but that God's trying to grow something up in me in that waiting in that continuing to seek. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, I think that does. Very helpful. Very helpful. So you're talking, you're both talking about a very long term <laughs> relationship. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're talking about the friendship of many, many years. You're not talking about a, um, you know, dropping in on God occasionally <laughs> and passing along a particular need or request. You're talking about something that's going going on. And James, thinking back about the example you gave, I know that you, I mean, you you asked for relief, you asked for healing, and then you asked for understanding, and then you asked that you, your heart was made ready over the course of years for God's answer. Right. So to go back to the question you've heard, I keep praying, but I'm not getting any answers. I find myself wondering if it's not so much that that God isn't offering answers, it's that our, our hearts take a long time to be receptive to answers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it makes me think that God is really patient <laughs> mm-hmm. in the relationship. 
Well, he has to be in my case, that's for mm. sure. I mean, I'm the most un- unlikely person to be in this, you know, school of understanding, this school of prayer, because I'm slow at picking it up. There's a very lovely story, which I'm very um, high on currently, which is about Mother Teresa or Saint Teresa of Calcutta, which I'd love to share because it's very high with me at the moment. One of your old US anchors on TV was interviewing her, and she was very difficult to interview. Not that she was awkward, but she didn't engage in small talk. So when you're off air, you're sort of trying to think of things you can say and everything. And this guy was finding it really hard. And um, he says to her at one point, well, look, when you pray... What what do you pray? What are you asking for? What are the you know things that you're asking for? Well, what do you say? And she says, "Oh, oh, oh, no, no, no! I don't talk. I just listen." And he thought, "Well, that's a pretty impressive answer." And then as the conversation goes on, he says, "So, um, in your prayer times, what do you get back from?" God, what do you hear of him? And she says, oh, no, 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 no. He just listens too. (laughs) Which, of course, is a sweet image. They're both (laughs) listening to each other. And it draws me into thinking they're listening at a deeper level of intimacy. I mean, there's a classic sort of understanding of prayer that there's three levels of prayer. I don't want to you know, spook us out with this, but there's prayer with words out loud. And I think that's a very important element of prayer. We should do more of that, praying out loud, even on our own. Then there's prayer with words but not out loud, which of course is possibly where most of us exist. And then there's prayer without words, which is sitting with listening to, exposing our hearts more directly in a conscious way and, you know, speaking less and listening more, two ears and one mouth. What what it brings up for me, just tying in a little bit what Rochelle was saying earlier, that this is for the long term. And I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that we find all this marriage language throughout the Bible, that there's a long-term mm-hmm. investment, yeah. at least on God's part, that extends on to, into eternity, right? It, it doesn't end. In hearing that, what, what just delights me is uh, I, mean, I get bored with things quite easily. And this whole idea of living in the kingdom of relationship with God, that it just goes deeper and deeper. And um, maybe not the way I want or would think it would go, but through the years, there's just a deeper level uh, that's quite beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, I, I find myself, I'm reminded of um, the eighth chapter of Romans, as you were talking, James, where that, you know that chapter talks about creation groaning and like in pains of childbirth. And then it says that that we don't necessarily know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit mm. intercedes for us. But it uses the word groanings again. The Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. 
I think maybe that is a good picture of this long relationship that the knowledge of our hearts that the Spirit has doesn't mean that things are going to be easily said. Things sometimes are too deep for words, even mm. for the Spirit of God. And the idea that, that our hearts are available to the heart of God, even surpassing language, I mean, that's, again, a beautiful mm. picture. I need that kind of long-term relationship. I think there's a lot in that Romans, that whole chapter okay. is a prayer experience for as far as I understand it. And when I review the day I've just had, I will sometimes say, where was the groan within me? Because mm-hmm. that's possibly the prayer I need to pray. So to recognize it, to listen to it. And that's the groan. That's actually, that's the James the Lord mm. wants to meet, not the pretend James, you know, mm. and he comes in at that point, I find. I mean, I love this Psalm 40, verse 1 in the Eugene Peterson message version. I waited and I waited and I waited for God. At last he looked, finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch pulled me from the deep. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. I think there's something quite profound in That's that. That's good. Well, I want to think about that a little bit because I find myself right now in a bit of mire that um, I've actually talked with a number of persons about this, and that is that with this ongoing pandemic and everything that it brings, people are stuck in the mud of loneliness, And it makes sense. I mean, we're all dutifully distancing ourselves because lives depend on it. And yet we've just talked about the importance of friendship. And I believe strongly that that God created us, God, who is eternal relationship, created us for relationship and yet we've been isolated from one another for a long time now and um, really struggling with some, some very deep feelings of loneliness. So how does, that, how does that all fit together with God's being on the throne and His desire to talk with us in prayer? This is, I think uh, there are a lot of us who feel like we've been praying and not get any good answers about how not to be lonely in the times we're living in. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because in one sense you say, well, you just go and call people up and chat with them. But 
the fact that you're not physically there with people, there's a loss of some kind of intimacy because you're not physically there with them. And I'm intrigued by this. There's this wonderful new book by J.P. Morland, but he does this wonderful piece that um, more and more science is seeming to indicate that the heart actually has an energy force field coming out of it. This is a world-class philosopher, Bible scholar, Dallas Willard's one of his best um, students, and he's been learning, partly out of his own struggles, that the heart has this kind of physicality. And so when you're with people physically, something is connecting with you at a depth that we didn't really understand until we all had to go and isolate and now that we're having to isolate we're realizing that there's some kind of physicality of physical presence so that you can be with somebody even without speaking and kind of have a sense of companionship and of course that's the old Quaker idea of we just sit together in silence until the Lord prompts somebody to say something. And the sitting together in silence with people is a very different experience to sitting in silence on your own. I mean, they both have their upsides, but they're different. And it's so fascinating that modern science is beginning to discover something that the church knew <laughs> hundreds of years ago. Isn't right. that amazing? It is amazing. And very hopeful, I mean that, that it strikes me as as very hopeful to think that there's ancient wisdom that is now what do you know now that our science is sort of catching up with ancient wisdom instead of the other way around. I struggle to comment because I'm I'm there. I mean this has been an extremely lonely and isolating mm. season for for me. And as as much as I value, you know, Zoom and being able to interact with people, it really is not the same and that that, that fits what you're what you're saying, James. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I'm walking away with is this incredible desire to be in the room with others. And I think I'm going to appreciate it right? I mean, more than, than ever. And I, I think that will probably carry for some time. It feels very strange to be in this season where a way to love others is to stay in, right? To keep myself away from people right. is love, which just feels kind of strange. I had an interesting, one of these notes that I wrote in the middle of the night, uh, and, it, and it was, um, Nate, who, who do you want to have been in this season? Because I've just kind of been thinking of, let's just get through this. Let's just, you know, hmm. whatever, we're here. Let's just kind of, um, but this kind of pause of who do you want right. to be? And how do you want to look back on how you've been? And uh, I, I don't really have an answer, but it keeps coming up for me. How do I want to walk away from this? And and maybe that's part of it, that I'm going to appreciate people and hugs in ways I never have. No, I think that's who do you want to have become. I think it's a really helpful thing to ask ourselves. But not, I hasten to add, in a forceful, you need to measure up to something kind of way. Because uh -huh. I've heard some uh -huh. of that. You know, I, I, I've, I, and I 
tend to place burdens on myself, but I've heard, maybe I should say I've received a lot of marketing messages. Right. How many languages? What will you learn? have done with this time? <laughs> How many? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Can you now <laughs> speak Russian and Chinese while also knitting sweaters for all your family members? And if not, why not? I think there's something maybe for us in the silence. Mm. And I wonder, I, I don't know if this is right, but but I wonder if there could be some lessons from the people of God in exile, I think, for instance, for people living in occupied territory, people whose activities have been severely curtailed, not by their own doing, Hmm. but by something forced upon them. And I just find myself wondering if perhaps loneliness was one of the issues confronted with people at various times that I just never thought about, you know, I thought, oh, they, you know, they suffered because they didn't have enough to eat or they suffered because they were being forced to live in slavery or they suffered this way or that way. But I wonder if maybe being cut off from other people has, has been a, been a way that people have suffered throughout the generations. And we're getting a taste Mm -hmm. of that. And we see that it is not good. And I find Mm. myself wondering, Nate, if maybe I have taken the company of others very much for granted. And I don't like that thought about myself, but I'm wondering. It's interesting, isn't it? The ultimate punishment you can put someone in the penal Mm -hmm. system is in a solitary confinement, you know. The threat is, oh no, the worst thing that can happen to us is to be put in solitary confinement because it is the worst thing that can happen. And I mean, there are some practical things. I mean, I belong to a little triplet accountability group. I've been in it for a long time. And we meet up at the moment, we meet on Zoom and we just... You know, we each get a turn at what's what's happening. How's the Lord working in your life? What are your challenges and everything else? And that's been very good for me in this period because we just pick up and, and, and carry on. So forming a little group can be, you know, helpful. I think even in this period, I found the title of that book. By the way, J.P. Morland, Finding Quiet. And the subtitle is My Story of Overcoming Anxiety and the Practices that Brought Peace. Came out in May 2019. Finding quiet. It's funny to think that loneliness sounds like too much quiet. On a surface level, it sounds like that's all I've got is quiet. But I wonder if maybe loneliness really is the clamor of all my fears and misgivings. And one of the reasons I need fellowship is not for the happily admitted noise and chaos, but for the peace it brings, because I have other voices to listen to besides my own.
you know, something that's been helpful for me, and and I'm I'm really glad, Rochelle, that earlier you you mentioned how there can be a pressure of how we're using this time, but probably one of the big themes for me has been of grace, mm-hmm. and and particularly grace for myself, and just kind of in a prayerful sense of, you know, there's a lot running underneath the surface in our subconscious and just there's like a a background noise whether we're aware of it or not and to just be okay with that and be okay with the loneliness and the longings and the fear and receive grace and and practically sometimes that's I'm just going to go to bed right now you know or yeah I really would like to work on this or that but I I think I just need to take a walk right now and 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 that's been wonderful and then it's extending to others right there's we're so divided right now and so having grace for other people that i disagree with or whose behaviors i struggle with one thing that has been helpful to me is kind of a funny thing i'm a little bit scared to share it but i think you'll understand and it has been an exercise in I think I would say an exercise in imagination, but I don't mean an exercise in fantasy. I mean an exercise in in actually using my mind to picture something. And here it is. Okay. I know that the Spirit of God is present with me even when I'm all by myself, right? But the Spirit of God is also present with you. So if I can picture, if I can bring to mind a picture of the Spirit in me and the Spirit in you, then from that comes real togetherness, even though it's not something I can touch right now, it is something I can imagine, and that helps me. When the loneliness gets to be too much to bear, I can remember that we are more together than what we can see. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Renovare's Friends in Formation. We invite you to head over to renovare.org and find lots of helpful resources and the regular Renovare podcast. We'd really like to have your questions. Please send them to friends at renovare.org. That's friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org.